This is The Scrapyard, the Australian show about all things Blizzard games and esports. I'm your host, Seamus Byrne, and I figure that given that it's our starting point, I should probably offer a bit of an intro for those I've never crossed paths with before. I'm a Blizzard fan since way back, first playing original Warcraft in my uni days, then Diablo and Starcraft. I have continued to play World of Warcraft since the very early days of Vanilla, and I've gone deep with Hearthstone, and I thoroughly enjoy everything Overwatch and Heroes of the Storm 2. The Blizzard launcher really is my happy place when I sit down at my gaming PC. I'm also a long-time journalist across technology, science, games and esports. I've been writing about Blizzard for a long time. I think I first covered their games around the time of Wrath of the Lich King and I've written about pretty much everything that they've done and interviewed lots of their creative brains in outlets like PC Powerplay, Hyper, Gizmodo, Kotaku, CNET and even the Australian Financial Review. So... I wanted to bring it all together and create the scrapyard as a space for Australian fans to catch up in a fun and friendly way and keep up with all the latest across the general slate of Blizzard games for more casual fans, but also to delve into the esports side of life without disappearing too far down the hardcore rabbit hole and to put some more spotlight on the Australian scene too. This has been a long time in the works, so I am really excited to bring the scrapyard to life, and I want to hear from you. Ping me via Twitter, I'm at Seamus, or send me an email via scrapyard at biteside.com. Tell us what you like, or what you don't, what you want more of, and throw us any questions. This is all about the Australian community, so fill me in, and we're going to shape this show together. So first up... We're in the calm before the storm right now, with BlizzCon just a couple of weeks away. So we thought we'd spend the first two shows examining each of Blizzard's games in turn, what's been happening this year, and our hopes and expectations for the news out of BlizzCon and beyond. This week, we're delving into Overwatch, StarCraft, and Diablo. And next show, we'll explore Heroes, Hearthstone, and World of Warcraft. I've got some great guests lined up, pro streamers, shoutcasters, game developers, other journalists, and just some straight-up fans. This week, we're going to catch up with two great casters, Genome and Pig, about Overwatch and StarCraft. And Melbourne games industry veteran Giselle Rosman is going to be here to talk about her love of Diablo. But first, here's some news nuggets. In future, we'll look back on the week's news, but first up, I'm going to keep it short to get cracking with the chat sessions. But it's worth acknowledging that Mike Morheim, the president and CEO and one of the founders of Blizzard Entertainment, has stepped down. It's a heck of a thing when someone who's been part of the furniture since day dot leaves. And it's a massive credit to his leadership that Blizzard is what it is today. He was a legit coder and game maker back in those early days and then took on the hefty task of driving the entire business operation. But that mindset of being a game maker clearly stayed and it's part of why Blizzard is such a machine of polish and perfection, not just churning things out to meet quarterly sales targets. So to Mike Morheim, thank you and may you enjoy your retirement. He's sticking around in an advisory role 
which is nice to hear, and J. Allen Brack, the man who has been in charge of World of Warcraft as an executive producer since the very early days, has now stepped into the role of company president. Shifting focus to all things BlizzCon, I wanted to encourage every fan who can't make it to BlizzCon themselves to grab a BlizzCon virtual ticket. If you don't know the deal, the virtual ticket gives you access to a bunch of in-game goodies across all Blizzard games, plus you can tune into video streams covering all the announcements and panels and community events at BlizzCon. The price? $69.95. Now a lot of people focus on the price and whether the in-game items alone make it worth it. And that's fair enough, I guess. Everyone makes their own calculations the way they see fit. But for me, I've been buying the virtual ticket since it kicked off. I think it's in its fifth year. And the key value for me is all about the amazing panels and deep dives you get out of the streamed sessions. Last year had some spectacular panels that revealed so much about things otherwise kept secret at Blizzard. And if you buy this year's virtual ticket, you can also go back and watch a lot of last year's videos in the archives too. Probably the biggest case in point was a panel featuring Jeff Kaplan and Arnold Sang talking about how Overwatch was conceived out of the ashes of Titan, Blizzard's notoriously massive failed project. For years, Blizzard has talked kind of around the edges of how the two games were linked, but this was a fascinating look at how they picked through the rubble of Titan to find some cool ideas and concepts to develop into something new. Here's a clip from that amazing session. It's crazy, when you work on a project for such a long time and it gets canceled, you kind of want to move on. You don't really want to see any of the art that you did. You're like, ah, I, I, I want to move on and do something new. We wanted to try like, hey, let's try some stuff for StarCraft. Let's try a totally new idea that has nothing to do with you know, the project that we worked on. So at the time, I was like, okay, whatever we do, is, as long as it doesn't have to do with anything to do with what we worked on. But then as soon as you pitch the idea, like, oh, instead of classes, it's characters with backstories. Like instead of the jumper, we're like, oh, what if, what if this character had a name? Tracer, and what if she had a backstory? She's from the UK. She used to be a test pilot for this group called Overwatch. It started to get really, really interesting for us as artists and as character designers just because working on MMOs, I, wor I worked on a couple MMOs, and the thing about working on MMOs is like you work on armor sets, you work on characters that you know, players really attach to as their own personal characters, but as storytellers, you really want to tell more stories about the characters that you put in your universe. And suddenly, this new idea just opened that wide open. And it was like, okay, now, now remember that, that dude, the, the Reaper? Let's give him a totally fleshed out backstory and how he was involved with Overwatch. And suddenly all these ideas started to, to spring out and it just really, really inspired the team to, to, to make this game. How cool is that? So awesome and so many sessions that just really pull back the curtain in ways that blow my mind every year. For $70, you get a weekend-long masterclass in the thinking behind Blizzard Games development, tuning into some of the best devs, designers, writers, and producers in the business who are all talking quite openly about how they work and what they've been up to. And you don't even have to leave your house. Local time, BlizzCon takes place early a.m. through lunchtime on Saturday and Sunday on the first weekend of November. So stock up on snacks, caffeine, maybe both, and settle in for a great weekend of Blizzard love. And no, this wasn't a paid ad. This is just me gushing about how much I love this stuff. 
Now, on to the Scrapyard's feature discussions for the first two shows, delving into the state of play in all six of Blizzard's games. Some thoughts on the state of play and what we're hoping for from BlizzCon. This week, we're talking to Overwatch shoutcaster Genome, StarCraft streamer and caster Pig, and Aussie games industry stalwart and Diablo fan Giselle Rosman. Let's get to it. So now to talk some Overwatch. I am joined by Kale Gino Morton. He's a caster and analyst for all things Overwatch. If you caught the Contenders playoffs at the Melbourne Esports Open a few months ago, you might remember his work there at the big show. So I'm very excited to get his insights into the state of the game and the Aussie scene. Welcome to the show, Gino. Thanks a lot, Seamus. Overwatch is kind of, we, we, we wouldn't dare say that it started to to overshadow World of Warcraft in the, uh, in the Blizzard universe, but it has <laughs> been a, a big year and and it has definitely started to be one of their big gun games. And with Overwatch League and all this kind of stuff around it this year, it's certainly been a big focus year for it. But, you know, I'm curious on your thoughts on what you feel like the state of the game is. I'm much more of a casual than a hardcore player, but, you know, curious on your thoughts on just that wider, the big picture of, of where Overwatch is at after this big year. Yeah, I think Blizzard has been looking to go further and further down this sort of esports road for a while now, right? Overwatch League was sort of like, let's do this from scratch our way. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's taken off in such a big way, because they've just been able to put so many resources behind it. You look at the production that they have built up from scratch in like a year or two for Overwatch League. It's just incredible. Yeah, I was lucky enough to get over to the uh, arena earlier this year and man, like it is such a facility and, <laughs> you know, like it's actually the old Johnny Carson studio, like where his old Tonight Show used to be. So, you know, yeah. and and the, like the massive screen is just oh, like gorgeous. You just want to drink it in. But yeah, it shows that, that you know, they, they're not messing around with this thing for only one or two years. Like they, they really mean it. So apart from the amazing screen in front that you're looking if you actually look up there's like a circular like a halo light that um that shows so like say if a team's on the point capturing it or something like that it actually like fills up as they're as they're on the point attention to detail right that is that's yeah. always been the blizzard way <laughs> what do you think the competitive landscape is feeling like in general like it seems like they've kind of kept up with some some good update that we've had a few new like the couple of new characters we've had sort of mm. new maps has that felt like it's kept it fresh from the kind of more hardcore perspective yeah well i actually had a look at this and it's been like clockwork it's been like apart from uh anna which was two months after the sort of the the release of the game they have put out a new hero every four months basically on the dot so uh, i think they're they're doing it at a good pace um at least with the heroes with the maps i mean it's always nice to have new maps um but in terms of the competitive scene it's definitely getting to the point where we're probably oversaturated with maps and what what happens then is you tend to get teams who are more sort of generalists and you don't get like these really cool little moments where a team has practiced so much at a map that they've got like a unique little strategy that they can bring out because they yeah. have to practice for so many at once. Well, let's focus back on the kind of the, this BlizzCon phase right now. We've got, yeah. uh, it's so close now, I can taste it. So, you know, what are you hoping for on the Overwatch side of things from, from announcements? Well, yeah, I think we're definitely going to get a new hero and a new map. Just looking at the, I mean, they announced, I think it was Oasis and Sombra for 20 2016 Moira and Blizzard World for 2017 so I imagine we'll get a new hero and a new map that's just kind of standard at this point I guess yeah. um the more exciting like sort of you know big speculation thing is this uh this talk of whether there's going to be an expansion and like what form that would take there was some leaked Goldman Sachs report 
um, that was talking about that. And we still don't know, you know, how credible or, or just exactly what that was hinting at. Um, but I think it does make a lot of sense that eventually, is it this year? Who knows? Um, that Overwatch does put out a story-focused, um, you know, whether right. it's an expansion or, or whatever it is, um, way to really sell the Overwatch lore. Because, I mean, there hasn't been a huge amount, right? Like, we've got a couple of trailers, we get a comic every now and then, but they really haven't gone deep in exploring either the past or possibly, like, the future of Overwatch. And I think... There's so many people clamoring for it. And if, especially when you look at like the, the player base of Overwatch, right? Like you've got your casuals and you've got your hardcores. The hardcores are just gonna sit there and play competitive like for as long as you want. But there's all of these other people who are gonna move on to other games if Blizzard don't give them um, something else to hold on to, something, you know, a little more, yeah, lore focused, something yeah. for them to, you know, get excited about on that front, because they might not be the people who just sit down and watch Overwatch League every weekend. Almost forgotten that, uh, you know, I got to talk to Jeff Kaplan, and when he was like talking about where we're up to in terms of the story, and pointed out, and it kind of blew my mind because, yeah, we've had all these cool videos, and like, yeah, you're right, there's been the comics and different piece, bits and pieces, but he pointed out that all everything we've seen so far is actually before uh, or like right at the moment where Winston has has sent out the call you know that we, yeah. we haven't moved forward in time yet from the, essentially the introduction of the game so that's a really good point that maybe that, that could be that kind of cool thing is where here's that moment where it all kind of comes back together and, and now we've got a cool new thing for you it's like man that would be something it's like that Incredibles 2 point in time where it's like you know the heroes have been sued for whatever <laughs> and they're all <laughs> they're all off base but now it's time for everyone to get the get the team back together yeah yeah so okay <laughs> we should talk a bit more about the esports stuff and i think you know sadly australia has no overwatch league representation and as we've learned we won't have it next year either the chinese won all those spots instead of us <laughs> but you know season oh, yeah. season one you know we did have some you know aussie reps in the mix custer's journey from starting at the fuel but then really lighting things up when he moved to valiant and having his kind of coaching buddy there behind the scenes at valiant you know how do you feel like you know this first season's been and and the shape of things to come um i mean from an australian focus i think uh you know we've we've done pretty well on the on the few representatives that we have had right mm -hmm. i mean obviously the valiant did pretty well throughout the season i mean custer started with the the fuel and then jump ship to the, the better team eventually and but that, you know partly that was because he got recognized for his talents right i mean in how he's been used this season he's been recognized as being you know a leader which yeah. is something that a lot of these teams need okay if you look at like a, a traditional sporting franchise or something right afl whatever um you've got people in these teams who have always been there for like 10 plus years. You've got your journeyman players who are always there ready to bring up the next generation and, you know, instill all those like values and, and all that experience and wisdom upon them. But Overwatch League is fresh. It's new. You don't have that. Yeah. So you need these players who can just come on and naturally just show those sort of leadership qualities and take the other players under their wing. And that's what Custer really has done here. He's, um, you know, he's, he's done that for Valiant. Um, I think even Fuel said that they really missed that once he'd left them. Yeah. Um, and he really had those sort of qualities. Um, and then behind the scenes, as you said, you've got Gumba, um, who's been, who is the assistant coach for the Valiant. So he was there the whole time. I'm sure he was glad to, to grab the other Aussie in, in the green and gold. <laughs> how, how funny is that? That, know, right? that we've got both the Aussie players on the green and gold. <laughs> it's um, perfect. <laughs> 
but he's yeah he's been an absolute force as well and i think the things that he's done for um uh, well both of them have done for our australian world cup team as well who are going to be at blizzcon now they've made the top eight and you know largely in in part for the efforts of these two that weekend was spectacular what you know i was kind of watching it from here at home but again not unlike when we qualified in the in the first season where it was a knife edge to get there and explosively exciting oh, yeah. when we when we qualified against japan but then you know here we were again uh, there was that reliance on somebody else uh, helping us to get through but um <laughs> but it, you know the, the guys really you know they showed up when it mattered yeah absolutely they really came through and i've talked to a lot of the other guys who are in the team this year and they all just you know had had so much praise for Gumba and how quickly that these guys were sort of trying to bring them up in the level because as good as we uh, some of these guys are from contenders in Australia I mean there's there's a world between that and playing day in day out full-time with yeah. a huge roster of staff behind you who are helping you um, in very directed ways to improve throughout the year. Um, so, you know, in, in the local contender sense as well, I think this is something I'm really keen for, you know, for the Scrapyard show to be actually to really trying to, you know, bring a bit more focus to what's going on in the local landscape and and the fact that, you know, there is a lot of cool stuff and, you know, and a lot of people who are, I guess, looking to use this as that path to, to find that next level. You were in the thick of the, uh, the season two action there down at Esports Open. So, I mean, on one level, how the hell was that? It looked amazing, but also, so, you know, yeah, what do you feel like uh, things are looking like both so far? And then I don't think season three is too far off, is it? Uh, no, we've got trials going on at the yeah, moment. Right. So the structure sort of works. It's got the open division. That's where anybody can go in. Um, a couple of those will move up to trials to play the worst teams from the, um, the last season of contenders. And then the best four of those go up to compete in the overall 12 teams, which is the best 12 teams in Australia and New Zealand. Cool. Um, so season three is coming up here. We've had Sydney Drop Bears take out the first two seasons, which has been a really impressive effort from them so far. And they're not one of the ones that, uh, they're not uh, either, you know, the Bombers or the Adelaide Crows who have come into esports in Australia, but they do have the backing of um, the Esports High Performance yeah, Center, right. which is in the SCG. And I think that's definitely made a big difference with their boot camping and that sort of cool. thing. MEO, I'll, I'll talk about that. That <laughs> yeah. was absolutely incredible i mean being there on a stage that big with it with the crowd that big that was um it was the first time for me yeah it was it was a pretty special experience sort of being able to just look up into the lights and, and have that many people cheering you know you got this massive trophy on the stage the the light and the sound and everything it was yeah just being in the thick of it is um that's that's something i'm not going to forget soon and it's not something that the players are going to forget either right i had so many people on the weekend come up to me People who didn't make the top four on that season, because obviously it was the top four teams in contenders last season who got through and got to go up on that stage. So many of them were like, I want to be there. I want to yeah. be that guy next season. And it really gave them something to play for. Unfortunately, I don't know. We might only get it once a year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it might not be every season, um, right? But it's still something that is going to motivate people. That's it. And I think, you know, I mean, so often we only see the big international stuff kind of with the big broadcast kind of production values around it. But, you know, yeah, maybe it'll only be once a year. But I think it does help to at least 
remind people of there's great quality stuff that you can watch you know yeah you can and you can catch it on twitch you can kind of tune in and then to have that moment where we do get to come together now and then and really celebrate it uh on the big stage is you know it, it, i think yeah it's really great for the for the the health of like esports in general but you know for these these uh, games that we love so much too well, it's, it's essential yeah. Seamus. it's absolutely essential because you can't have the top tier competitions like overwatch league unless you have the feeder yeah. systems and if your local um and your, even your regional systems aren't working then overwatch league like it, it won't be able to sustain itself forever because it'll lose both the player base of of um talent you know feeding up into it as well as the viewer yeah. base there's been i guess you know there's not much kind of in the way of people who've been plucked out of contenders uh you know yet to kind of step up into overwatch league is there maybe only you know, like a handful around the world so far there has been a lot of focus on so obviously we've got eight new expansion yeah. teams coming next year so that's a lot of new spots opening up in addition to that some teams didn't have the full 12 roster uh, a roster of 12 right. available to them this year and going forward i would expect every single team to have a full 12 right this means that you can have in-house scrims you don't have to necessarily um you know show strats yeah. to your opponents um you can get them to play in a particular style there's just a whole range of, of benefits associated with that so that means there's going to be a whole range of, of extra opportunities for these lower tier players to move up into overwatch league for season two now for australia um i think our best chances are probably um some of the guys you see on our world cup team the guys who um been playing some of the only ones who've been playing full-time in australia right and this is blank esports yeah. so um players like Huss, who you saw just come alive oh, during great. that game um versus china right on anubis and just absolutely slay and get us into that blizzcon berth um, Trill, who's just been a standout main tank for this whole time. Um, Colorhex, who's actually on the Sydney Drop Bears. There's been rumors that um, he's getting picked up by Boston. So he, it's cool. already been announced that he was being picked up by their uh, academy oh, that's team. Right. I remember hearing that, yeah. So I think what we might be seeing there, I'd be very surprised if he was just going straight into a starter DPS role, but I think he might be a two-way player, which if you look is is someone who can play a couple of matches in Overwatch League and then the rest in Contenders. Um, so you can kind of do both at the same time. So I'm expecting him to be one of those people who is in that roster of 12, so he can play the in-house scrims um, because he's good enough to do that. Um, and then maybe potentially work his way up into that starter DPS role going cool. forward. Uh, look, they, they that is that's really exciting and you're right i think there's so many slots to to, to fill i guess in the, but there's still i guess there's still plenty of time for people to do their scouting like at the uh, the world cup finals at blizzcon and then sort of yeah we'll get a new wave of announcements of of who's being uh, acquired by what teams uh, you know in the lead up to to yeah. next season just want to clarify his new zealand because a lot of people okay, get that wrong right. he is from new zealand right. <laughs> I, I seem to recall he tweeted that uh, at one point yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, cool. Look, where can people uh, catch up with all the cool things that you spend your time doing out there on the internet? Um, just follow me on Twitter at GenomeGG. I, uh, you might see me on a, a contenders broadcast sometime soon. I've uh, obviously done the the Pacific and, and Australia in the past, so. Hopefully I'll keep getting those gigs when they come up. If there's any other Twitch streams that I'm on or anything, uh, yeah, you'll be able to check that out on my Twitter. Big thanks again to Kale Gino Morton joining us to talk all things Overwatch, and you can find his Twitter handle linked up in the show notes. 
So my guest is Giselle Rosman, and she's been involved with the Australian games industry for over a decade. She's run Global Game Jam. She's heavily involved with all things indie games and the games industry and the IGDA down in Melbourne. She's run the admin of the epic local studio that is Hipster Whale. But most importantly for us here, she is a Diablo fan since way back. So Giselle, thank you for coming in. And yeah, let's talk about our, our shared love and maybe slightly faded at the moment, but eternal love of Diablo. Excellent. I would love to stay a while. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think it, you know Diablo is that game where it's been quite a few years since our last major update. You know, we've, we've had little kind of tasters in the last couple of years i'm not sure if you've even kind of delved back in it on the last couple of years but you know we got a necromancer we we had a cool anniversary event where we got to play the original game kind of re- rebuilt inside the new diablo but you know have you been dabbling lately or how long has it been i didn't actually get around to the new event where they reconstructed the original which made me sad i think i was busy possibly out of the country i've been like most recently and, and not too recently been playing on playstation so i was really excited when the seasons came in was probably the last time I sort of delved in for a little bit when they Mm. brought seasons to console Um, having started on the original ones on on PC but I I like couch gaming (laughs) it's way more comfy (laughs) (laughs) and look I I mean that was a great turning point i think for you know for modern diablo was that idea that it gave us a reason to start again and it gave us you know little kind of angles to try to pursue um so that you knew that that, all right you know let's there's a reason to kind of jump back in and start a new character and see how far i can go uh and i think yeah see i i can only imagine that in whatever comes next that the idea of that kind of seasonal play is probably going to have a big role in it yeah, I'd hope so. Like, I think having those things that are going to draw you back in after a long time, there have certainly been times where it's just like uh, playing Diablo is kind of like eating your favourite comfort food sometimes. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, I don't know, I'll just go and to see if I can find the cow level. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I really need to play more. I think my, my 15-year-old actually picked up more recently on on some of the new things although I I mostly get to blame Blizzard that I'm not playing Diablo because I've been playing too much Overwatch (laughs) far too long because it's it's kind of my my you know ice cream (laughs) game these days yeah look they're you know and that's it I think that as far as Blizzard's concerned they uh, they hardly mind at all when when it turns out we shift shift our love from one to another and then they'll even launch things against each other sometimes and you're like but i don't have time for all of this yeah, exactly <laughs> oh if only there was enough time to play all the games i want to play yeah so look i think this is the exciting thing is i mean it was that weird thing this year right where we got um remember there was the the tease that wasn't that they promised wasn't a tease when there was like oh. the diablo light switch earlier in the year and they're like no that wasn't a tease that we might be coming out on the switch what and then they came and then they came out on the switch of course that timing of diablo 3 coming out also then feels sort of weird in that we are really getting so many sort of things thrown at us about the fact that diablo maybe it won't even be called four but you know whatever next thing that diablo gives us is 
is going to be announced at BlizzCon. I hope so. There has been a lot of sort of very quiet teasers, that is the, you know, which they're such big fans of doing. Yeah. And yeah, it'd be really fun to sort of see what the next level sort of chapters, I guess, of the, of the saga. It's nothing less than a saga these days. Yeah. Uh, could be, um, you know, Diablo 2 is the first game my husband and I ever played together and played through lots and lots. I think we were on a Mac at the time. So it's always been really special. So then when 3 came out and then Reaper, um, we got right back into it then trying to get everything. Then you get to the point where you know, I've got, oh, I don't know, I think five, you know, OP characters that I'm having trouble finding any new loot that will improve anything because um, I think that's always going to be a challenge with them. You're sort of constantly maxing up your, your loot and you know, how, how high is too high? <laughs> what yeah. are they going to do to make something tougher than that thing I have now? Yeah. Uh, the, the schedule is now live for BlizzCon and directly after the opening ceremony, the first panel on the main stage is a Diablo panel. Oh, now, that's, that's got to yeah. be good news, doesn't it? Exactly. Oh, actually, <laughs> our first announcement is we're shelving it. <laughs> <laughs> now let's spend an hour deconstructing why we've given up. <laughs> so, yeah, now I'm it's looking like, forward to BlizzCon. It's something I wish I could get to one day. I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm yet to go. But look, so wild predictions. This is kind of my, my vibe to kind of close out a, a little chat is, you know, what do you think or what do you wish for from whatever we get next from Diablo? One of the, one of the things that I've loved that has changed over the years is in relation to the loot and the fact that, you pick it up and it's player twos and that's okay. But that's made for a lot more marital harmony for me. <laughs> yes. um, so I, I think it's great that they're looking at how to make sure everyone's having a good time because if you've got one person picking up all the loot, that's no fun. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what other things in that sort of headspace they've done to make it collaborative whilst it obviously appeals to people who like you know being the hero so that will be interesting as you say i think the seasons um and how they work with timed events or limited time events will be really interesting uh, you know let there be more pony levels <laughs> yeah. oh when you go into that you find some weird little spot you know i'm a huge fan of the treasure goblin yeah. Um, <laughs> so you know whether they're going to work more on those kind of little oh i know i'm trying to kill the big bad but oh look loot over here go <laughs> yeah. um yeah, and those kind of distractions are, are adorable i think yeah you're right it's like how, you know, it's like how can i not run through that portal right now That's right. I, just, I, I need to know what's on the other side of it. <laughs> exactly exactly it's a good point actually that i think they have like you know, some of that stuff, it's very rare to stumble across. And I think it's kind of nice when games, you know, like that you'll own, sometimes I've only ever seen certain weird little dimensions 
through videos because it's like well the odds of that happening are crazy but yeah. that means it means it's special uh, and you know I think I've I hit the like weird rainbow happy level like once ever yeah. and it is just I hilarious. I've been there twice and <laughs> you know I've been playing for years but it's like is this new is this always been here I don't do a lot of searching on YouTube's or looking at that I just sort of jump in and experience it yeah um so it's like oh no one's ever what how did this happen <laughs> just yeah there's been some some really trippy ones in there and i love it when they really you know you go through you know probably a treasure goblin portal or something and you end up with such a different art style all of a sudden yeah. you, know, like the, the green, you know diablo has such a great look but to all of a sudden go Bang! How cute! It's just adorable. <laughs> yeah. So here's something for you. What What if there is a like a full mobile Diablo as part of the announcement? Ooh. So that's my my personal yeah, prediction. Yeah. Yeah. That you know they've had their kind of side teams working on mobile style projects and things, and yeah. it feels like. You know, no one's kind of nailed the Diablo experience. On I mean, there's some good kind of so, dungeon crawlers. So, yeah, on mobile rather than Switch. Do you yeah, mean like yeah. mobile phone or yeah. yeah, phone or tablet? Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm. I'm such a you know. I work in mobile games, obviously, and but I play really simple ones. Although I guess could really work. I know, like as I like for example, I, I downloaded Pandemic. And it's just like oh, there's too many buttons for a phone. Like it just <laughs> yeah. You know, and I mean, that's going obviously from a board game. Um, but that's it. It's a good point. Yeah. Then, you know, I think if they. Yeah, that the trick would be how do you just let it instantly kind of jump back in where you were, or do, you know have those little five. Oh, five there's a lot of yeah, a lot of interesting things because like your play times and things on mobile are quite different to you know sitting on the couch for hours. I love the audio of everything Blizzard yeah. does, and you know mobile. Yes, you can headphone, but so many people don't play with the audio. Are you going to yeah. get that immersive experience? Are you not? You know, are people just going to make sure they bring their headphones with them? Because it's like this is Blizzard audio. <laughs> but so, it would be kind of yeah. cool if you know, if if you if the same character that you're playing with on yeah. your desktop, you could kind of go and just get a bit more loot while you're out on the phone. Maybe it is a slightly different game, but you can still kind of keep it all together. I, I also threw a really weird, crazy op- uh, idea at uh, Twitter last night where I said, yeah, maybe there's like a battle royale mode of angels versus demons just like <laughs> yeah. going nuts. And, and there's no weapons, but just the longer you live, like the more power you get. Yeah, or, the battle or, royale or is definitely a, yeah, a popular <laughs> genre at the moment. So yeah, yeah <laughs> that, that could I be mean, pretty random. I, I, I feel like, yeah, you can also imagine people kind of going, oh God, not, not you guys as well. But then I just also have that faith in Blizzard that it's like, and then you try it and go, oh my yeah, God, this that's is right. amazing. Like, you've done it really well, so okay, we forgive you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. You know, they, they don't trip up very often that lot. They have not announced the music guest yet for um, – for BlizzCon, oh. and I feel so. Apparently, Dead Mouse is like the biggest crazy Diablo fan, and I'm kind of thinking that it's going to be a last minute announcement because it's probably going to be Dead Mouse, and then that would just essentially be confirmed that they've got like super yeah. big Diablo stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, any final thoughts uh, before we wrap this up? I am very much looking forward to BlizzCon. I've got to get through Melbourne Games Week first. So yes. I haven't really been thinking about it too much, but you know, and I'm really looking forward to the 
the cosplaying at Games Week next week as well. And yeah. That's where I, this is where I love Blizzard. You know, like I recognise Diablo cosplay. There's been a lot of Overwatch cosplay. I get a bit lost in League of Legends. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really glad there are some I recognise. <laughs> I, I had somebody give me the pro tip once that if you don't know who someone's cosplaying as, it's probably from LOL. And, and, and that, that's panned out very well. So if anyone else is struggling next week recognising cosplayers, there's my tip for you. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing, seeing a guy a couple of years ago who was dressed up as the the basketball skin version of a particular character from League of Legends. And yeah, that was, <laughs> you know, you're like, that's that's a deep cut right there. Yeah, yeah I'm going to be obscure, my friend. <laughs> so just, yeah, just be diva. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> and, and yeah, having said that, of course, this year there'll probably be six different divas in the different skins. Oh, of, of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Look, thank you, thank you so much, Giselle. Where can people follow more of your cool stuff on the oh, internet? I, oh gosh, I, I ramble a lot on Twitter, I guess, as Jazz Roz with lots of Zs. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's probably the best place. Awesome. And then we could take it from there. That was Giselle Rosman, one of the great members of the Melbourne game scene, chatting about Diablo. And since that chat just a couple of days ago, we've heard that Blizzard has made a statement aiming to dull our anticipation a little around what we expect from Diablo at BlizzCon. It's actually pretty disappointing after getting so excited about what might be about to land. I'm going to have a story about the highs and lows of the Diablo anticipation problem over at goat.com.au. Let's hope that things aren't too dull come the main event, but apparently some announcements will not be at BlizzCon itself, but will follow in the months to come. Fingers crossed, Nephilim. Fingers crossed. So now we're going to talk some StarCraft, and I have Jared Pig Krenzel, uh, who is a StarCraft pro with an amazing channel of coaching and analysis, plus he is also one of Blizzard's go-to casters on the WCS Global Circuit. So he is a perfect person to bring us up to speed on all things StarCraft and what's hopefully going to be in store at BlizzCon. Jared, thank you for stopping by. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk about some video games right before the, the big Blizzard event of the year, so thanks for having me on. Curious though, when we look back a little bit, what do you feel like, you know, if you can talk about this year's competitive scene, how things have kind of evolved? I mean, obviously we also had Classic kind of appearing, was that, I think it was this year, um, you know, and, and overall how the competitive scene has looked, particularly at a local level. It's, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I guess we can start international because that's always where, you know, we end up thinking about in terms of the big scene. Then we can come back and talk yeah. about Australia a bit. This has been like a fascinating year for StarCraft because... We started out in February, I believe it was, uh, when there was the Intel Extreme Masters uh, at the Winter Olympics down there in Pyeongchang. And yeah. actually just surprised everyone. Um, you know, it was this, hey, we're going to try a little esports event, which is kind of like, you know, backed by the Olympic Committee. They want to take a look at esports and kind of dip their little finger in and see what's going on. And we put on this, I, I guess it was kind of like a, um, it was almost like a, you know, let's let's show off this game and and show the, the most classic esports title that has the most history it has so much skill and so much you know it's, it's a very obvious 
uh, all the the talent and work and everything that goes into it. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of cool to not only have that, but then also have this fan favorite, historyed player. You know, she's she's been doing well and making it to the grand final since 2013, and she finally got to hold up the big trophy at this event, which had yeah. so many eyeballs on it. You know, it's being streamed on the Olympic uh, channel and everything, and. Uh, that was just a really cool kind of Cinderella story. She didn't see it coming. We didn't see it coming as the, the commentators and experts there. So it was this really cool way to kick off the year. And, uh, you know, she didn't get too many more results throughout the rest of the year that were really super, like, absolute championship level. But a young Finnish man by the name of Serral, who's been working his way up the ranks, went from being, oh, that guy's going to be the next best player in Europe to this is the best player in the world. And yeah, right. I mean, you you obviously know about StarCraft history. I think everyone, even if they've never played StarCraft, has probably heard a meme about, you know, you've got to, if you date a Korean girl, you've got to beat her dad in StarCraft. Um, there's all these jokes <laughs> around kind of Koreans in StarCraft because it's this game which they dominate so one-sidedly throughout the last 20 years. And now we've got this young Finnish guy who's, won every single championship in the non-Korean scene this year. And in the one big tournament in Korea with the the, the non-Korean and the Korean players, he dominated that as well, beating like every one of the best Korean players, basically. So we've got this very cool thing where often there's been a story of, hey, look, the non-Koreans are going to get thrashed again. And now there's this one guy who is standing head and shoulders um, above what it seems almost like everybody in the world. So there's a lot of excitement at the moment. Everyone's going, are we going to have the first non-Korean BlizzCon champion? Is this is this going to happen? So there's yeah, a lot of anticipation. Be really good, yeah. It's oh, very man. Cool. That, yeah, that, that is really cool. I, I I was looking through some of the the uh, you know, the winners this year and did notice uh, Cyril came up more than once and was suddenly like, wait a minute, like I, yeah, th- there's something going on here. So that's this is great. It does make for a particularly good championship then. It's really, really cool. You know, the, the previous year, Neeb was looking pretty dominant. Um, but this year, it's just funny. You look at the standings and he has more than four times, almost five times the points of the second ranked player oh, wow. in the WCS. So it's it's just obscene, the level of dominance. But the cool thing on the other side, uh, on the Korean side, is Maru has won all three Global StarCraft League GSL championships in Korea as well. Um, and him and Cyril only really had a single map that they played, and Cyril managed to win it, but it's kind of cool because we've got the guy who's dominated the Korean scene more than anyone has in one year, and the guy who's dominated the the non-Korean scene, the foreign scene as we call it, more than in any, any other year. So everybody is hoping these guys, like one of them doesn't just bomb out early or get yeah. eliminated by someone else. We want to see them clash in the grand finals, and that's where all the hype is right now. I think there's going to be such a big fingers crossed there then to just go, please both play your best, because uh, yeah, there's oh, nothing yeah. better than watching people face off and know that they're both playing at their peak. And so, yeah, then in the in the kind of local space, yeah, obviously we haven't had a qualifier um, get through to you know to the global final but um, you know what has the local scene been like and are there any sort of shining lights out there that we're hoping to uh, to keep growing yeah you know it's been a, a long time since the esports side of starcraft wasn't nearly as evolved when there would be kind of a spot for southeast asia and i think moonglade um you know he played down at 2012 i think was the last time we had an aussie at like the right. kind of big global finals a completely different age of starcraft uh nowadays it's really hard to get in there. So the top eight players from the circuit get in. Last year, we had Probe really uh, come up. I remember many years ago was, you know, a 
young 14 year old hanging out in Twitch streams. He was laddering in the Diamond League. He was just on the community forums. And then I was like, oh, cool, that kid hit Masters. Oh, cool, that kid's, you know, he's, he's 18 now and he's in Grandmasters. And now, oh, he's he's winning tournaments. And uh, he started to dominate the, the scene last year. Uh, and he actually made it, there was a point where he was ranked like seventh or eighth or ninth in the standings, kind of on the cutoff. Right. Um, end of the year didn't go too well for him there. You know, he had a near, uh, he almost beat Neeb, who, who was the number one player last year in, in a match. This year, not as eventful for Probe. He hasn't qualified for as many events. Uh, I believe he ended up second in the standings. Yeah, yeah, uh, out of the Australian players. So right. Seether ended up being the more consistent one. He's a guy who we've seen over the, the years kind of uh, build up just dominance in the local scene. He's, he's from um, down there in Melbourne somewhere uh, in Victoria. But uh, yeah, he's, he's a good player, um, but he's, he's not gone overseas as much um to many of these big events as someone like probe and so there's kind of been those two trading spots they're like who's going to go to this one who's going to knock the other one out and recently this last event of the year at wcs montreal we had a hut come in who uh is another guy who played in the old days he's come back and he's a really kind of cool character because he's very much part of the community he's just run actually a tournament this weekend he's been playing for many years he loves the game he's a real you know he's, he's got a good sense of humor uh, always kind of memeing in the Twitch chats and stuff. And he actually crushed um, towards the latter half of this year. So unfortunately, you come in at the end of the year, you can't get enough points, of course, to qualify. Yeah. But we've kind of got our eyes on Hut for next year as well. So it's been this thing where we've seen these players bounce around. We're hoping someone like a Hut or a Pro will have a really good year, maybe a Seether, and, and qualify next year. Um, but it's just kind of been plodding along nicely this year with a few highlight moments. Uh, I'm not sure. Did you come down to IAM Sydney at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was a nice one there. Yeah. Um, you know, getting to to have that. It's it's something where I think we're having a bit of like a kind of revival of StarCraft to some extent at the moment, where basically uh, there was a big lull in the Sydney scene, especially was like the center of StarCraft uh, 2010 to 2013. It was like nonstop tournaments every weekend at local internet cafes. We'd have our big events with thousands of dollars of prize pool. And then it kind of like died down for a bit. Uh, obviously ACL who used to run things are now ESL Australia and they're running esports for like a billion different games <laughs> yeah. every day. Um, you know, everything kind of picked up and has developed. And StarCraft kind of went on the quiet end on the local scene here, where we basically just had the main qualifiers for a year or two, which were the center of everything. And about a year and a half ago, people started organizing the local lands again, the grassroots stuff. And that's where the community kind of comes from. And you'd get down to these events uh, where, you you know, I'd fly down to Melbourne uh, and we'd kind of all go to an internet cafe. And this, these are the things where I feel like if you don't have these events, it doesn't matter how many big qualifiers you have with lots of money and spots to BlizzCon on the line. Those are the things that like make the scene because that's where the community yeah. comes together. And that shows that there's people who aren't going to get anything out of it. You run one of those, you're not, you're not making money off that. You're doing it because you just want to meet up with your friends and you want to get that community together and you want to see who's the best on the day. And, you know, the winner wins a bit of money and that sort of thing. But we've seen those sort of tournaments starting to pop up more and more. And I can kind of just feel this uh, intensely serious kind of tight community of StarCraft nerds who just love strategy games. Uh, and it's it's kind of having a bit of a revival where there's old faces coming back in, there's new young kids coming up who are getting good. It's just a nice time because StarCraft's so, you know, it's, it's near and dear to my heart. And 
after whenever you have a lull in a thing you love like that and you're like oh you know i haven't hung out with the community lately and you think oh is it dead which was the big meme with starcraft <laughs> yeah. for a long time and, and it feels like it's really having this kind of like low-key revival we're not going to be like you know the next battle royale game where there's thousands of people cheering um you know for absolutely every local tournament or whatever's going on but uh we've definitely got a nice healthy scene going so it's really cool to get that community back together cool and like so what do you think some of the triggers have been was it you know was it the you know the kind of remastered launch or or even i've noticed there's things like well obviously there was the free to play kind of move as well like did that sort of bring a little bit of, of health back or or they've you know they seem to be playing around with these kind of war chest ideas now where you can kind of pay and then you play and you'll earn kind of cool stuff almost almost a bit of a parallel to the battle pass type stuff going on in you know in some of the battle royale stuff out there that clearly they're playing with what's the you know how, how do we keep making money because we you know as long as there's a little bit of money still coming through then we can keep supporting the game uh you know like what do you think has helped to kind of kick that back off yeah it's interesting because it is these as you said you know it's uh, the money coming in leads to the money being you know reinvested and that's why you know starcraft came out at this point where it was the biggest game when it came out for quite a while but it, it had an old monetization model of you buy the box and that's it yeah. um and it's funny because uh, I, I see blizzard as a company which has evolved so much since starcraft 2 came out you know uh, i feel like at that point they were still just almost even struggling to keep up with wow like that yeah. was just everything for <laughs> such a long time and they're like well we have you know I, I don't know what the number is, but tens of thousands of employees, you know, just managing this game and upkeeping it. And they were kind of developing some new things, but it felt like it, it took a long time for Blizzard to evolve as a company to where they are now where they're managing so many franchises and they're running esports for all of them. They're running events all around the world. Um, the big things which I've noticed just from my own, obviously, relations with them is community management has gone through the roof for Blizzard. Yeah. Um, it's Their communication is so much better. Uh, you know, I've gotten to know some of the, the community managers over the years and some of them have kind of moved up the ranks and they're, they're kind of in more overseeing roles now. And, you know, you could see the passion um, some of the people they brought in had and just the way they started doing things. They started kind of turning this older system of like, hey, we'll put out this really kind of weird dev post once in a while which will get torn apart <laughs> by the community and then there'll be like two years of silence and then something else will come out and you know we all know how passionate gamers get people start to get a bit angry if we don't kind of feel like we're kept in the loop so i think it's something where in the last few years people trust blizzard uh, a lot more on the most basic level just because they're like hey you know they're the telling us what the devs are doing they're releasing uh, these kind of updates on hey this is how we think you're balancing the game they're clearly touching on a lot of hotspot community issues as well if something gets complained about in the game like this is frustrating to play against it's often getting looked at or adjusted and there's just something about this feeling where they're running more events they're spotlighting more community streamers and content creators they're investing in getting you know tutorials out They've made the game more accessible with co-op, which was a huge feature, which is just, I think, steadily built up Steam over the last few years, which has given the casual, fun, accessible yeah. mode where you've got these overpowered, cool abilities and these hero characters mixed with the RTS element uh, of, you know, you gather your resources, but you can play with a friend rather than it just being this brutal 1v1. And I think it's like this combination of all that. It kind of comes together and it just makes it a, a welcoming scene and it encourages people to play every day, you know, watch the streams, hang out in the community and have a good time. Look, it's such a good point, isn't it? That, you know, I think for so many games right now that just 
like Twitch has been a revolution, you know, as much as we talk about it being this revolution of, you know, of content creators and having this relationship with, you know, people out there that, that it, the whole idea of people streaming their games more, um, it does a lot to kind of re-trigger in someone's mind, you know, that idea of going, mm -hmm. oh man, I missed that. Why, you know, why am I not still playing that? Uh, and then they'll, you know, jump back in. And There's a cyclical nature with games, you know, it's, it's funny because sometimes we get a short memory and we forget that, uh, games go through cycles yeah. and you know right now everyone has battle royale colored goggles and that's all they can see um but you know there was the moba goggles before that and the rts goggles before that and it's it's not just like a fad necessarily but it's also just people like variety you know yeah. often you're dealing with gamers and sometimes you've been playing a genre of game for five years and you want something new so things go in and out of popularity and we like variety and when I think when there's a community there that that kind of has these events and these spikes, whether it be oh there's you know Scarlet winning an Olympics championship, what is going on over there in StarCraft, or you know the the you, you see these events, these community spotlights, and all sorts of different things where it's oh you know the the one that's about to come out after BlizzCon, the Battle Cruiser, it shoots while it's moving after BlizzCon when that patch comes out, like whoa, it looks really cool. There's all these things, and it just kind of spikes that interest, and it gives people a reason to come back in and check it out and. Um, I always think about, you know, like with the Diablo system, I have a lot of friends who play Diablo just a little bit. Every time there's a new season comes out, they'll farm a little bit and they'll go in and they'll kind of explore the new little system a bit. Um, but it's not something you necessarily play every day, but as long as there's something to keep people coming back to the game, you still have this community and this broader base of people that kind of support the game, like to watch it. And, you know, once in a while we'll hop on and play. And uh, that creates like a really long-term legacy to a game, I think. And so look, do you think we're gonna have any kind of key updates or is it that we're just into the the phase at the moment where it's like, well, it's all about just kind of tuning and refining, you know, esports style play and, and we're gonna get a great tournament. I am terrible at getting any inside news from Blizzard about this stuff. <laughs> and there's lots of people who follow these trends really closely. So I'm always the guys like, oh wow, that's coming out. And people are like, how did you not know? This you StarCraft all the time. Like everyone on the inside knew this. And I'm like, oh, so I'm, I'm terrible at predicting these things, but I would say there's got to be a co-op commander coming out for sure. Uh, they released the last one at Gamescom. I've got to release at least one or two at, at BlizzCon. Um, every time there's a co-op commander, that's awesome. Hopefully a few new uh, co-op maps, uh, maybe some you know mutations and stuff. So that's always exciting. Uh, definitely there's always the big new balance patch, which isn't uh, quite as drastic this year but it does have a few very cool showy things that they're toying with as well as going back to some things from previous iterations so i mean the balance always gets shaken up there uh you know i'd, I'd love there to be something else surprising that just totally catches me off guard but uh i'm i'm terrible at these predictions so i'll leave it at that definitely some co-op stuff should be hitting the, the the announcements though awesome so where can uh people who are listening to this uh catch up with all things jared when they're uh, not listening to the scrapyard um i'm streaming pretty much all the time uh x5 underscore pig on twitch tv uh, uh not the most australian friendly time but if you guys uh you know can switch a twitch stream on i guess while you're at work that's the uh, ideal time uh as i do stream throughout our morning into the afternoon uh, other than that, people follow social media. I guess Twitter's what I'm most active on. Same thing there, x5 underscore pig. Jared, pig crenzled there. So good to have him stop by to get us up to speed on StarCraft. I'm absolutely psyched for the World Finals now that I know history could be made at this year's show.
That is all the time we have this week. Thanks again to my three guests, Kale Gino Morton, Giselle Rosman, and Jared Pig Krenzel. You'll find links to all their social channels in the show notes. But that's the end of our first week together. If you've liked the show, make sure you've subscribed in your podcast app of choice. And if you can leave me a review, preferably a really, really nice one. That's a big help to others finding the show and all those apps out there deciding if it's worth recommending it to. Aside from that promo, love, I want to know what you think. What are you hoping for from BlizzCon? What are you loving right now about your favourite Blizzard games? Maybe you want to share your thoughts on Overwatch, Diablo and StarCraft and all the ways you agree or utterly disagree with what you heard here today. Let me know by pinging me on Twitter, I'm at Seamus, or send me an email via scrapyard at biteside.com. All those details will be also linked up down in the show notes. Next time, we'll be exploring Hearthstone, World of Warcraft, and Heroes of the Storm with another great lineup of smart folks from around the game scene. So please watch the feeds for when the scrapyard returns. Returns.